<laughs> Hello. Hello. Uh, welcome to It's a Shame, the yes. podcast. Our podcast where we talk about shame and how it should not be in our lives. And we want to get rid of it. Yeah. We want to destroy it. Yes. Burn it to the ground. Yeah. Get out of here. I'm Danielle Nelson. I'm Lily Rogers. And uh, we're really happy you're joining us. Yes. Um, Lily and I just took a little shot. What do we, what do we do a shot of? It's four roses. Or we do, I say we do a shot, then we just kind of sip it. And we're slow sipping a shot. Yeah. I, as I call it, doing it in shifts, like shift work. <laughs> you know what I just noticed right when we were taking the shot is that I, I learned how to do a shot. Someone taught me that you take a deep breath in mm-hmm. and then you take the shot and then you exhale. And they're like, that's how you prevent yourself from like choking or throwing up or. Oh, professional advice yeah i learned that from like my cousin's bro friends in high school cool and i and to this day when i go to do a shot i like breathe in take Mm. the shot and then breathe out. i think it also kind of helps you from breathing in through your nose because sometimes the strong alcoholness of it will like like, trigger yeah and you can kind of like choke on it or whatever asphyxiate yeah asphyxiation by by bourbon yeah. by whiskey but then again too that like exhale out kind of could give you the shivers yeah i so said it feels good sometimes but then like sometimes when i breathe out i'm like my breath is straight up flammable yeah like yeah so you're like that was low quality tequila yeah what cool. kind of did you already say what kind of whiskey we're drinking four roses oh it is it oh that's it's why our it's favorite so mellow. <laughs> yeah so mellow it's so mellow i knew it was so mellow i was like god that must be four roses <laughs> it is indeed because i still i forgot that i got like a big handle of it uh-huh. and then i bought some desk liquor and so i bought myself a bottle of four roses to have at my um desk at work and then I also bought another one for home and I got home and Stephanie was like, why did you buy more four roses? We have like most of a handle of it, but it was from like the holidays and parties oh, and yeah, whatever. Yeah. And like nobody was drinking it. So I just have that. A ton. Yeah. So good thing. That's our drink of choice. When yeah. We podcast. Well, we're surplused up on it. So week by week, we'll just make our way through it. Hey, I'm not going to complain about that at any point. <laughs> yeah. Um, how are you? I'm good. I'm a little tired today, but I'm good. Yeah. It's a, yeah. uh, it's been, it's been time. <laughs> it, it has been time. Um, yeah, we just, we just had a little trip to Disney. Uh, if you listened last week, you know, we were getting ready to go to Disneyland and spend some time in LA. We had a really, really nice trip. Yeah. It was very, very awesome. I really enjoyed Disneyland. Yay. Yeah, I had a good time. I, I was, was hoping that you would. Yeah, it was fun to do it with um, with people who are, like, really adept at handling the situation, mm-hmm. who, like, understand how the fast passes work and, and know the park, like, the back of their hand, because I feel like so much of my time would have been, like, how, the, how does this work and how do I get to this point and how do I get to that point? Totally. But it was so seamless and so flawless. Um, yeah, that really helps because you can, like, sort of what I do is – just kind of have a map in my mind about where kind of where I think lines will be shorter, even though you can see it on the app now, which is amazing. And so you can kind of plan that out, but also like, so you're not just like pinging back and forth across the park so much, which you have to do a little bit because, you know, to like fulfill your fast pass and then go to like a place with, that's a little bit less crowded, whatever, but it keeps you from just like getting really lost and being like, what am I doing? Yeah, it was, it was a really good time. Um, we also dined at the Dresden, which oh, was yes. very, very interesting. It was really interesting. So Dresden is kind of like this 
old school um, Hollywood uh, restaurant and also lounge. Uh, I didn't realize this until after I booked the reservation, but it was made, I guess, pretty famous or had a resurgence after it was featured pretty prominently in the film Swingers. People kept telling me that. I was like, oh, we're eating dinner at, at the Dresden. They're like, oh, Swingers. And I'm like, I guess. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I saw Swingers one time when it first came out. So yeah. that's not the line or the thing that stick, stuck with me. No, me either. But it was beautiful. Let me let me just say I'll sandwich it. I'll mm. do a sandwich review. Mm-hmm. Um I think we can both agree that the interior is just lovely mm-hmm. of the restaurant. I mean, you've got so many old, beautiful um, chandeliers and just um, even if you're you're not going to go, I would highly recommend pulling up an image online of the dining room because there's this kind of thing that is very popular in Hollywood, which is especially old Hollywood uh restaurants and bars where it's like they create this privacy there's like a lot of like walls and the illusion of like no one the paparazzi can't see you but in the dresden they have this very interesting way of cramming a lot of tables Mm -hmm. in and creating this illusion of privacy that also is aesthetically pleasing because it's like slatted wood so you can see through it but it's also private at the same time that snakes through yeah. the bar and so, or through the restaurant. And so, like, in each, like, concave of the snake, I guess, would be a booth or a table. Yeah. And so, like, and then they're alternating, obviously. Yeah, and they're, like, these really cool, like, white banquettes. Mm-hmm. Like, so you're, every table is, a like, a little white banquette, basically. And it has that sort of, like, authentic feel to it where it's, like, true mid-century where it's not trying too hard, but it's not no. completely, like, fair. Yes. And minimal. But it has, like... <laughs> Excuse me. Um, like a lot of character to it, but not. It just doesn't feel forced. No, no. I, it's authentic, and you can absolutely tell that. Yeah. Like those fixtures have been there for a really long time. <laughs> yes. Um, and they, some of the maitre d's. Yes, some of the maitre d's have are maybe not even with us still, but they're in spirit, <laughs> and I might have seen a ghost. <laughs> yeah, um, seriously. But yeah, so the the decor is um, quite lovely. Um, now for the negative part of the sandwich. Yeah. Uh, the food was not so good. It's, it definitely is kind of like the decor. It harkens back very much to a time. And I think a time before like foodie culture was a thing. Yes. And just getting like a big piece of meat cooked like your grandfather would cook sure. it is like the essence of eating out. Yeah. One hundred percent. And I mean, there's a certain charm to that. But at the same time, when you're used to, you know, flavor and stuff. Yeah, kind of like (laughs) the... Lacking. So, I mean, to get get a little more specific, I mean, not that this is like a food podcast, but like... your wife got the French onion soup. I right. did not have any, but she's she's uh, she's got a very refined palate. Yeah, and she loved it. Yeah, it was she good. Loved I the tasted French it. Onion it was soup. very good. And you and I both love a wedge salad. We yeah. got a wedge salad. The wedge was great. Wedge wedge was wonderful. It had something that I really appreciate, which is um, both they had the clumps of blue cheese and a little bit of the blue cheese dressing. dressing so you could yeah. kind of edit how you want your blue cheese because mm. you have both options. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um. I got chicken masala, which um, I've never had before. Yeah. And it was a very interesting experience. Yeah. It was interesting. It came with a side of like, and I don't know if this is normal and I haven't Googled it. So I shouldn't like, you know, talk too much shit. But also, if this is the way it's served, I I don't like it. So it was served (laughs) with like noodles with like a red sauce. And the red sauce was like a little bit sweet, but that was on the side. Yeah. And then the chicken itself was in like, like a mushroom, like a sauce? mushroom gravy sauce, almost. It looked it was, very wet. 
It was very wet. And I wanted it to be on like rice or something because mm. like, but then it was like very rich and kind of, it, I wouldn't order it again. Right. And I don't need to try it in another restaurant. Like yeah. the, the flavor palette is not something that I'm desperate to go back to. And I ordered prime rib and I love some prime rib and I like it medium rare. I think it was more on the medium side. And also it was like half of a cow. It was so It was huge. like enormous. Not only like was it half of this giant plate, but then like the thickness of it, it was like. It was at least an inch and a half thick. Oh, at least. Yeah. Yeah. It was insane. Um, and But it was also kind of tough because I think it was a bit overdone. Yeah. But then you were saying too that like that's kind of a product of eating out on Valentine's Day. Right. So there might have been some so, factor. Yeah. So my birthday is Valentine's Day and uh, I very rarely make dinner reservations on my birthday for that reason. But I was like, we're going to be in LA for my birthday. I want to go out to dinner. I want to do something special. But it's you're right. It's truly like, so I don't know. It, it This review is filtered through the lens of we ate there on Valentine's yeah. Day. Yeah, and they had like limited their menu. It was still a pretty good menu. But, you know, you can tell when they do things like that, that they are planning on the kitchen being more both Busy. than busier than it normally yeah. is. And so I think the quality kind of goes down naturally Absolutely. in that Just sense when too. you're churning stuff out. And, yeah. and, you know, and they had like little signs on the table that were like maximum two, two hours. Two hours per table. Yeah. They're like, oh, they're really like rushing us through. Yeah. But um, then we can move on to the other side of the restaurant. Which was <laughs> amazing. It was amazing. So we got to see uh, Elaine Sands Marty. Yeah. So Elaine Marty, uh, a little um, couple that have been singing uh, in the bar of the Dresden, I guess, forever. I mean, I don't know. Like 40 years 40 years or something. Or something. <laughs> and we got to see Elaine. Uh, Marty was not there. But, you know, it was interesting because we finished dinner and we have a friend who lives in the area. And he came and joined us at the bar. And before, right before he came, there was talk of let's go to a different place mm-hmm. because we had just had dinner. It was packed in there too. It was packed. We had just had dinner. Dinner was like not ideal. And it was kind of <laughs> like, ah, oh, but I was like, oh, but I kind of want to like see this Elaine chick. I've heard she wears really rad costumes. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I don't think they're costumes. I think that's just That's Elaine. just Elaine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I stepped inside uh, of the bar with uh, Stephanie and uh, it was really funny because we both stood there for a second. We're kind of digging it and she's got... Um, Elaine has this very unique, flamboyant style, and she uses like this falsetto voice and kind of tinkles on the t- on the keys. And, and you're mm-hmm. like, you know, it's a you're like, can is she really playing? Or, um, but I was like, okay, like I've seen all I need to see, and like I turn to walk away, and Stephanie just grabs my arm and just points to the stage. And I turned just in time to see Elaine pull a flute out of a bag <laughs> yes. and just start playing a flute. <laughs> you gotta love that. I, oh my god! And it, it was it was uh, it it was a flute solo. Yeah. Um. And uh, at that point, Stephanie just turns to me and she's like, "Okay, go get them. We're staying. Yeah. Like, this is just too good. We we've got to stay." And I and I truly like all like kitsch and like shtick aside, like it was delightful. Oh, that it's just an experience and. Uh... There's nothing not joyful about that experience. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just like I love people like that who just give everything their whole heart and uh, have distinctiveness and flair and personality and put that in a setting of like total ambiance and cool vibes yeah. and just like old school charm. It's yes. just 
you can't go wrong. And they were selling, what was it, CDs? CDs and DVDs. Which just says everything you need to know about Marty and Elaine. Yeah, and uh, the best part was the drummer. Uh, I just loved watching him because I think he's used to playing with Elaine, but and 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 knowing that she's quite unpredictable, so he's just like has this like eagle eye on her fingers on the piano because like you know she's jazzy she's going where she wants to go and he's she's, like she's doing trying Elaine. to keep beats with her and elaine is elaning and it's just like yeah. it's such a joyful mess it, it was a lot of fun to watch and uh yeah it it was a good time mm-hmm. um so final review skip the food go for a drink and see marty and elaine yeah yeah sure. <laughs> so that's the dresden yeah thank you for joining us on the podcast <laughs> good night <laughs> Um, yeah, so we had a we had a nice time in LA. Yeah, um, um, I mean, and because this is a um, a train podcast that we decided on last time, where we're only <laughs> yeah. going to talk about the train, we did end up upgrading to business class on the way home. And let me game tell changer. you, game changer. It I thought, like, how different so could nice. it be? Oh, but that's what they do uh-huh. when you when you see the other side. Yeah, and you don't realize what's possible, like lighting. Yeah, and, and like. like fl- yeah, yeah the, like the footrest that pops out and yeah. like you can almost fully recline like it's nicer than a lot of airplane travel I've seen much much nicer yeah and I mean you know you get on and like within a couple of minutes of hitting the road they're dropping off snacks and giving a box you, of snacks a box of snacks and complimentary wine yep um which was very nice it was lovely um but it was great it was like such a comfortable ride home mm-hmm. yeah I would 100% recommend and do again. And also, it saves you money because um, Amtrak will actually check your bags right. for free if you're business class. Right. As opposed to holding them, which we checked our bags because we were, um, the day of departure, we decided we wanted to leave our bags with Amtrak and spend some time in um, Little Tokyo. Yes. Which was amazing. Yes. And I kind of just want to go back and stay in Little Tokyo 100%. and just do a whole trip centered 100%. around Little Tokyo, or as we kept calling it, Japantown. I kept calling it Japan. I feel like I saw that on a map or something, or my brain made it up, and I just kept calling it Japantown. So our friend um, kept correcting me and, and calling it Japan Land. Japan Land. He's like, oh, you mean Japan Land? Um, but no, we. it was great. I, I'm always eager to go back to LA, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so... I'm ready for our next trip. Me Business too. class and uh, some discount hoteliers. Yep. And let's do it. And lots of shopping in Japan, Japan town. town. Yeah. Japan land. <laughs> Japan land. <laughs> and then maybe, yeah, definitely that next time we're getting ramen. Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah. We have no time this time around. But. Right. Yeah. Well, with all of that brand new information, do you have more brand new information? Um... I don't. I mean, I think that probably is my brand. Maybe our Dresden review is our brand new information. All right. Yeah. Do you have brand new information? I do, but it's more just like pop culture recommendation. Okay. So I took Monday off because, uh, you know, we got home on Sunday, but I was just like, I just, I knew we were going to be go, go, go. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't want to go back to work directly after that. So I had a home day where I just, you know. An introverting day. Yeah. It was my introverting, the only like beings I talked to all day were the cats, which is very ideal. So, um, but I did end up, you know, cruising around on the TV and trying to figure out like, oh, I should watch something fun and that like only I'll be interested in that Uh stuff probably won't like whatever. So I was on Amazon and I ended up finding Sanditon and it's a, well, so it's a series, I guess, 
but it's the first season at least. I think that like hopefully they'll make a second um, season, but it's based on the unfinished last work of Jane Austen. Oh, and interesting. it's produced by Andrew Davies, and Andrew Davies is the man who did the um, BBC version the six hour long pride and prejudice like he adapted that one so he's like so he's an expert he's an austin knight and um yeah and so i was like "Ooh, andrew davies and jane austen and i'm always delighted when i can get like more jane austen in my life yeah because you know there's only so many new things you can mine out of her i don't know i'm People keep trying, though, so it might be endless. It might yeah. be till the end of time. We'll always have Austin. Um, I mean, the track record shows that people are going to continue to yeah, try to make that stuff. Yeah, pretty much. Every every generation is going to have its own yeah. pride and prejudice. And, yeah. Totally. Yeah, but it's really charming. It's something, like, I don't love the dialogue because it's not, it doesn't have her, like, strong wit going through it because mm-hmm. it's it was a half-finished novel or I don't even think it was half finished um so it's just based on and then kind of like the story is expanded upon um but it does kind of scratch that itch so okay I highly recommend it if you love Jane Austen look up Sanderson it's great nice yeah okay brand new information brand new that has this has been brand new information (laughs) happy to share it with you Mm mm-hmm um, do you want to introduce tonight's or today? Depends on what time you're listening, dear listener. Yeah. This morning's topic, this mm-hmm. afternoon's topic. For us, it's evening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ten- we should say tonight. I mean, it is pretty much nighttime. Well, well do you want to introduce tonight's topic? <laughs> sure. Um, so we're going to talk today about insecurities. And I, this is a very broad topic, another one, so it will be revisited I am sure in many ways and it's also will probably bring up things that we've already like touched mm-hmm. on like like it's a common thread peppered throughout. in throughout sure. yeah um but I thought maybe we could talk about kind of the way that we've our insecurities have changed the way they've shaped us the ones mm-hmm. we have now how that kind of like relates to the that shame well, the shame of even having an insecurity right. and knowing that you have it because sometimes it becomes obvious. Yeah. So I will kick us off. Um, I am triggered and hate not – well, let me preface. This is not always the case, but the majority of the time I am triggered and cannot stand diet culture. Oh, yeah. And, like, it really sets me off. And, like, any time I am around, like – um, people who are doing like uh, mindful fasting or restricting or they're counting calories or they're like, it's my own insecurity and it's my own very fraught and long history mm. with my body that I do this thing where I internalize it. And then I make it like, I, and I do the thing, the comparison thing where I look at the person and I go, I should be doing that or I should, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it, I just hate it. Yeah. And so it's an insecurity that I have that I'm sometimes really good at handling and then other times like not so much. And then sometimes it just like comes out and I do have shame about it because I would like to be <clears throat> more uh, further along in the journey of being able to say, like, I'm so past that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or I I don't struggle with that anymore. But I think that it's, it is, like, the predominant uh, kind of, like, language of the culture Mm. is you can, everybody, doesn't matter who you are, what you weigh, can afford to lose a little weight. So 
you know, and we've talked a lot about that on the show with the various ways. Yeah. You know. So is the insecurity that you don't subscribe to that or that you're not, I don't know. Yeah. What, what would you say that like the main, the main insecurity, the main insecurity is? there is. Well, yeah. It's, it's a multi-layered insecurity. It's like Dante's Inferno. There are so many layers to this hell. Um, <laughs> there's like the, the first insecurity that starts at home, which is like, I'm insecure about my body. I've always felt like I could lose weight and should lose weight. Um, the majority of my, my life, I felt like, you know, insecure about my body. Yeah. Um, and as I've gotten older, that insecurity has changed and also deepened because a lot of what I really believe and, um, and a lot of the tenets of my practice as a feminist therapist, but also as a human being. So it's trying Mm -hmm. is that I want people to just be comfortable in their bodies. And I want to eradicate the shame based around fat and fat phobia and, and just body dysmorphia. I just, anyway, so there's a, now the, the, uh, insecurity is, is deepened because, um, sometimes when I find myself like falling into those traps of like, or being triggered, like Mm. if I am in a situation where someone is on a diet or they're being really hard on themselves about their body, like, Mm. I want to be able to be an empath and to be empathic and to, but sometimes it does trigger me. And then Mm. I do that thing where I would go back to my old, you know, the old habits die hard where I'm like, oh, maybe I should try this restricting thing they're doing or, you Uh know, uh and I, and then I feel insecure about that, but I haven't remedied it, even though there is a part of me on a really deep level that knows like it will never be remedied. I'll just be better at it sometimes than not. And I'll probably be slaying this dragon like the rest of my life. And yeah. yeah. And and it's probably difficult to like give grace to yourself when like, maybe you are like, Oh, maybe I'll try that thing. And then it's kind of in the back of your mind going like, no, like this diet probably isn't very healthy for me or, or why, why do I even feel the need to do this or whatever? But then also just sort of like, well, let's give it a whirl or whatever. Like all of that. I mean, well, it's also like when I see people in the act of doing things around food of like, um, like, like I said, like counting calories or they're on a diet or intermittent fasting is like a new super popular thing. Yeah. Um, or just like restricting, like, um, there are people that I've been exposed to, and this is like super common, like most of my life, I've watched many women that I know, um, uh, take a knife or a fork and whatever they're eating with the plate, they cut in half, like not in a very visible way, but like a mental marker for themselves. Like you stop eating at this point. Hmm. And it's a frequent thing that I see. And then I'm like, I should do that. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of this thing where it's like, Oh, well, if like they're not eating that much, like I shouldn't eat that much or you know what I mean? And then it's, it's just, it's an awful dirty head game. Yeah. Well, and then also you can't totally be sure that that's what that person is doing either because everybody feeds their body in, sometimes in ways that is Mm -hmm. just like right for them in that time. And like, what if they just came off of like eating 
a meal, but they kind of timed their day wrong. And so they're out to dinner with people and they can't not order something. And so they're a little bit full already. You know, you never know like what people's like day and eating has looked like. So like even just witnessing some of that stuff, like for instance, when we were at the Dresden and like we were ordering salad and I'm ordering a gigantic prime rib and Mm -hmm. Stephanie only gets French onion soup, but she had like been not like nauseated earlier in the day and like just wasn't sure oh, you know no, what no. i mean like i do i do and 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 the i know it because i dine with these people regularly and you've witnessed every time mm. nearly uh-huh where they take and they portion the dinner out and that's fine like that's for them but that's what i mean that's yeah. where i feel the shame about my insecurity because <laughs> right. i should just be able to be like that's fine that's how they eat but instead it triggers me and i'm like you fucking fat pig. Like, oh, why yeah. the fuck do you need to eat all this food? You too should be, like, portioning yourself off. Hmm. And then it's negative self-talk, and it's a whole vicious cycle, and it's awful. Yeah. It's really horrible. It's funny because I also have, you know, a multitude of body insecurities, and, you know, weight definitely comes into that. Or just, like, fleshiness, I guess, and, uh-huh. like, fat fattiness. Mm-hmm. You know, all of that shit, like... It just happens for everybody. Um, so I definitely have that. But, like, the eating side of it, like, I don't think I would ever – I don't think that I've had that type of, like, trigger before mm-hmm. where I, like, see somebody doing something or eating a certain way and then been like, why not? Why should – why am I not doing that? Mm-hmm. I think that that's really fascinating. Um, like, I – mine are more – like exercise based okay like people who are like really good at working out and like creating fitness things for themselves and like I just have never been able to to stick with anything consistently Mm -hmm. I'm just not a sporty person I never really have been yeah um so for me when I see people like really succeed at like consistently finding something that works for them Mm -hmm. I'm always like why can't I do that like what the hell is wrong with me that's that's hard too because it's kind of like again there's like this expectation that you put on yourself like about your body and I feel like sometimes we wind up telling ourselves things that are very untrue in those situations Mm -hmm. and then it you know the worst I think maybe the worst part about diet culture workout culture all of it is at the end of the day it's about comparison yeah and that's the hardest part for me and that's the part that I try to like go back to and remember is like you're not competing with anyone right like this you don't have to compare yourself to anyone like if you're happy and you're healthy and you enjoy what you're eating then fucking keep eating and yeah. then like stop when you're ready to stop or yeah. just like you're saying like if you're jogging and you enjoy it and it feels good then keep doing it but like if it's making you miserable you know then or you're doing it just because you feel like you have to though with physical exercise sometimes it's it's challenging because you have to like especially with like cardio and like aerobics like it is true that like once you hit like a certain point you know those um the endorphins kick in and you're like Oh, this feels so good. Like, why don't I always do this? Right, it feels right, so good. Right. But like the first several minutes, you're just like, what I'd is this literally, hell? <laughs> yeah, I'd rather like refinish the hardwood floors in our house right. than do this, you know? Yeah. And I mean, and some people just are differently motivated. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, some people are motivated by sort of an adrenaline type of thing where like they like 
those types of like the runners high. yeah the runners high and stuff some people are motivated by more of like a vanity model mm-hmm. some people are motivated by just like i uh i'm doing this for my mental health like you know i think that it's just i get really frustrated with myself sometimes when i'm like i know that like if i do certain things i'll feel better and i don't do them yeah because i get like kind of just complacent with my um I don't know, like ennui. <laughs> I just yeah. get kind of like, eh, I just, meh. yeah. here I am. I'm just kind of feeling bad and that's how I am. I'm just like that. Like, mm-hmm. I just need to stay inside longer. And, mm-hmm. and then, but do you know, like inside, <laughs> like that, like there's a, like, is there ever a moment where you're like, if I went for a walk, I'd feel better? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 totally. And then you just like. Sometimes I just don't do it. You just don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel like I totally identify with that. I feel like most people do. Like there's like the out and like you're like, okay, like I can, it, it's, yeah. And then there's so, it's like you're saying there are different motivators. A lot of people find like a lot of security and like having like a buddy. Right. Like somebody they're accountable to. Right. Um, that's my worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> you're like um i'm solo on this bitch yeah no i really <laughs> like working out his in any kind of physical exertion with the exception of like something that involves someone else like tennis or something like that has always been for me like i do this alone with the exception of like going for walks with my husband or like right yeah or, like, i think if i got hiking. to a certain point maybe where i kind of felt like proficient enough in whatever like I'm not a runner I would never want to run with anybody else until I got like good enough at it where I could like keep pace with somebody Uh uh-huh I don't know yeah but yeah no I mean that's a huge insecurity that I have too and is um doing things in front of other people that I don't think I'm good at yet 100% and I know that practice makes perfect and all of that like public speaking for instance and people are always like you just have to do it you just have to keep doing it and I'm like, I don't want to. Like, that's something that I don't ever want to be good at. And it yeah. might be because it is, like, my biggest fear and my biggest insecurity. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, it brings up a well of horrible, like, anxiety in me that I think definitely stems from some sort of deep shame place. But I'm like, why? Why is this the thing that, like, you have to be good at? But it's also the thing. Okay, so to answer your question, just because I know you, um, you are good at it Yikes. from what I've heard. I, I mean, I've seen you do like a little bit here and there, but you, you are good at it. Number one. And then number two, I think like professionally, like it just seems to me naturally the course you're taking. I mean, even on the podcast, the things we've talked about, about the transitions that you've done and your job, like it is more of a forward facing role. Yeah. And so it's not that you have to be good at it, but maybe that you are good at it and you have to just become comfortable with that narrative now yeah yeah the old narrative is kind of bullshit and you've got (laughs) evidence to prove it yeah but I hate that evidence (laughs) I know the good evidence no it's not it's not the evidence I hate it's I think it's um my body doesn't know the difference yeah and it'll still like anytime I have to sort of present anything or be in front of clients like my entire being just tenses for days. Mm-hmm. Like we have this client right now and we are getting a much better rapport with them and that's great, but they keep canceling this like presentation that we have for them. And mm-hmm. it's been three weeks now. And I keep saying this, like it's practically ruined three weekends for me. Just, it was like Super Bowl, Oscars, and then last weekend. 
because they've canceled mm-hmm. and like pushed it to the next week on all of those like major yeah like major events for me yeah <clears throat> but then on the sunday or whatever i'm just like a ball of anxiety because i know what's coming mm-hmm. and that like i'm going to have to like prepare and i can't just like relax and have fun and like i mean you saw me at the super bowl yeah. i was curled up in a ball on the couch right like yeah. That's what, like, my body doesn't understand that, like, yeah. hey, it's not that big of a deal. I want to therapize you, you so need to bad right this. now. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to. I just, it's occupational hazard now that I've transitioned full time. And I'm like, but I will therapize you a little bit. And I'll say, um, you know, you were saying, like, my body does this. I have to do this. But you made that up. That's not true. You don't have to do that. And your body doesn't have to do that. Because there's a new story. I know, but, like, I try to tell myself that, and, like, that's part of, like, the... I just try to, like, calm down or whatever, but it's just, like, it just isn't in the core. Yeah. And I can't access it. Yeah. Enough to shut it the fuck up. Hashtag therapy. Hashtag... <laughs> get going, I know. girl. Hashtag Lily needs to go to therapy. We all do, but I also, know. like, that could be such a good, like, starting point in terms of, like, just because I think, you know, it is an insecurity that you have... Mm-hmm. But based on what I've heard professionally from other people and then what I've seen, which has been limited, but you're good at it. You just don't know that you are. Right. It's an insecurity that you have that oh, totally. is not evidence-based. Yeah. But then there's also this like really rebellious part of me that just wants to stand up for the severe introverts and just be like, why the fuck do I have to? <laughs> like, I don't want to. You don't so have to. Why the to. fuck do I have to? I know, but it's just, I think that... Um, I think that people who don't understand this level of anxiety and fear about this particular thing don't see how much the world favors it. Sure. And it's so hard to, you know, have ambition and, and want to get, I don't really have that much ambition, but to, to, to want to succeed and want to do well. And also when you're looking around you and you're like, um, there's nobody else to do this. Like, and I also don't want to like let my team down and I want to put yeah. like, the best face forward possible for the company that I work for. And, you know, I'm not going to let it fail, yeah. even though it takes such a physical toll that I have to take a day off after. You are ambitious. You You are ambitious though. (laughs) And like, I think that like, not only like, are you ambitious, but you are forward facing more than you realize. And I think like, like, I don't know, maybe because I'm the opposite. I grew up being like, I'm extroverted. And now like, as I get older, I'm like, no, I'm kind of introverted and like maybe I gave way too much of myself for too long and now I have to learn how to like rein that in. Right. So, and I I can't imagine coming up and feeling like, because there is such a, um, I don't, I don't want to say camaraderie because I feel like that's almost dismissive, but like I feel like among introverts and people who understand that common language, and you're right, people who are loud, squeaky wheel gets the grease, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, there that is, is... I hate that fucking phrase. Yeah, and there is, like, a reward system there. You're right. And, and it's shitty, so I can understand why there may even be, like, a piece of you that's kind of, like, might even, like, acknowledging that you're good at it and leaning into it and being forward-facing might in some way be in your mind equated with like being like, does this mean that I'm also like not this person anymore? Right. Or like this part of my identity isn't true anymore. Well, yeah. I mean, that's interesting because I think like going way back, you know, to like some of the first insecurities that we've had and we can stop talking about me very soon. Um, (laughs) But I was so terrified of 
public speaking, Mm -hmm. and I'm using quotes, um, that when people, I think I've said this before, when people would ask me my name when I was a little kid, like Uh I would hide behind my mom. Like I couldn't, I couldn't order my own food. My sister had to order it for me when we were in restaurants. Like Mm -hmm. I just like, I had such like social anxiety, such severe social anxiety that like that stuff just like ate me up. But I think that the, the reasons why that's true are probably still the same, but I feel very differently about them now. Mm -hmm. Like I don't ever think about like my physical appearance, like that kind of morphed. So into like when I was in middle school and high school, like that was kind of the reason, Mm -hmm. like my physical appearance. And then also just like wanting to blend in and like not be made fun of by your peers and stuff like none of that stuff. Like I almost don't care about the other people anymore. Mm -hmm. Not that I don't care about people, but like what they think. Yeah. And it's more just about like letting myself down and not being like not being prepared enough and not being like not saying the things that I want to say, not having it come out right, like all of those things. It's just it's morphed in these really weird ways. Yeah. But yeah. So there's almost like an internal pressure as well where you're right. like I could have done that better. The per- like the perfectionism angle. Right. Like right, right. like as soon as you do like you come at it from a perfectionist angle like the whole thing is like you set yourself up to fail but when you're a perfectionist you have no fucking idea what that even means yeah you're just like no there's a right way to do it and then you know like there the struggle begins exactly and that's why I'm an over preparer I always feel so much better which when I'm prepared is in part probably why you're really good at public speaking because like you you know the things that you on some level you know the things that you need to do mm. to feel prepared and you and you know like I know earlier we were knocking like practice makes perfect and you're like I don't want to practice anymore <laughs> yeah I don't but with every time that you do it you probably learn a <laughs> little bit more about like how it could be easier next time or like something that went right or wrong where even if it's not conscious and you're like you have a journal of like a public <laughs> speaking journal like. On some level, you're like, okay, I did that and that worked. Yeah. I mean, when it comes down to it, I would really rather spend my time practicing something else. (laughs) (laughs) If you could practice anything else, what would you practice? If you were just like getting paid to practice something? Writing. Yeah. I mean, I do kind of get paid to practice writing, but I think the different types of writing. Yeah. Like fiction or... Yeah, I think um, maybe. I don't know. I think kind of more the stuff that I'm trying to do in my job right now is more of the like, like really to the point copywriting. Yeah. Just like really sharp copy. Yeah, exactly. Which is such a skill. I mean, like, you know, even like, you know, spending the time that I have like with you and Jamie and you guys talking about work and kind of pitches and all of it yeah I I now get excited when I can point something out to Jamie and be like that's really sharp copy which is my line I don't know I use it twice so I give myself away but I'm always like that's sharp copy (laughs) no um but sometimes like when you look at it and it's well done you know it when you see it and you're like oh fuck that's good yeah like and you and a lot of times it's so easy like when the language is so easy you're like that took a long time. Oh, absolutely. Like nothing is like nothing comes out that easily. Well, and it's funny too because okay, God, we're still talking about me. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll say this one thing. 
I used to be really, really, really insecure about my writing and the, um, or any sort of like creative thing that I did. And I couldn't, like, if you told my, like even college self or even myself in my twenties, like the types of stuff that I'm doing now and like having to put my ideas out there and like put my writing out there and just like lay it out for scrutiny Mm -hmm. and how fine I am with it. I would have been like, there's absolutely no way. Yeah. Because now it's just sort of like, oh yeah, you're right. Like I love being edited and I'm like, yeah, that is kind of sloppy. I need to clean that up. Or yeah, that was kind of a shit idea. Let me go back to the drawing board. Like that kind of stuff. That's what I want to get better at. Yeah. Do that sort of back and forth give and take. Right. I don't want to do the give and take with a crowd because crowds are usually assholes. Yeah. Well, because people, hell is other people. Right. Right. So anyway, let's stop talking about me and go to you. So what are some of like the insecurities that you had when you were younger and kind of how maybe they've morphed? Mm. Weight's my number one. Like weight is always like, it's the easiest. Like it's right on the surface. It's like, okay, let's talk about that. Um, Insecurities, gosh. Like what about like the way that you do things or yeah, talents you know, or skills? Yeah, it's interesting that you just said that, that you just said the way that you do things because my mind was just like Rolodexing through physical qualities hmm. because like that's like my immediate go-to is so physical. Yeah. Um, insecurities about like the way that I do things or like mannerisms or... Or talents that you have or want to be better. Um... I, I'm trying to figure out like which ones are insecurities and which ones are like things that are just kind of like, um, things you want to get better at things I want to get better at. (laughs) Yeah. Cause like a lot of it's just like, okay, like I wish that I was better at this, but I'm not necessarily insecure about it. Mm. Um, or what about like you're in a room full of people and you're having a conversation like, what would make you not step in and, like, interject or say something or... Nothing. Have <laughs> <laughs> you met me? Um, uh, what would make me... No, that's a good question. Like, what would make me feel or like Or, like, what type of, of conversation element? would be happening where you would just kind of be like, I need to not... Um, okay, this is good. Um, this is a really good way of framing it. Um, public school education in Louisiana, there are two things that I am very 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 uninformed about and I'm like I have great insecurity because I like that I can have intellectual conversations and I'm stimulated by intellectual ideas yeah I know very little about geography and I know very little about history or civics Mm -hmm. because like growing up like we just didn't like in my civics class literally it was like a man in his 70s who I adore and I learned more from him than I ever could have but we literally listened to the Supremes and made patriotic posters that involved so much glitter awesome. which is maybe where my trigger comes from sounds like my dream um but I didn't <laughs> learn anything about civics right you know what I mean yeah, and yeah. even in college like I took the one course that I like float well not the one but one of the first ones that I was like oh I'm just gonna have to float by with a d was history Um, like because I didn't have a foundation right and I was like okay I have to learn this and geography like anytime like I for example I love John Oliver um and he does this bit where he'll talk about some small country and he'll put a photo of it and he goes that wasn't the country like and he's like Uh, and I'm just like that maybe could have been a major country and I wouldn't have known it right I feel like I've gotten better with world geography but, um, and, and 
like making it even harder is that my husband is like a wizard at those kind of things. Uh, like he understands yeah. geography. He's got like a really great working knowledge of like world history. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's interesting that you say when you went to college, like, um, I had that, Oh God. I remember knowing that my, um, public education was not great. It was better when I was sort of like in elementary school, it got worse the further along it got. And then I went to just like a horrible high school. It was Mm. like overcrowded in the suburbs. The teachers hated us. Mm -hmm. Like they hated themselves and their jobs. Like it was just a horrible situation. Yeah. And I knew that like, I mean, not all of them. Some of them were okay. But I knew that I wasn't getting a stand-up education. Like we didn't, we didn't learn like the parts of speech and like grammar. Yeah. We, they never taught it to us. Yeah. Like in any of like English class was just like read these books right and it was like what about vocab there was and no like, like sinus diagramming no, or anything no yeah. I mean like after basic spelling and like you know it was just like that's kind of it so I mean it was stuff like that I remember being really insecure about that when I got to college and I remember the first paper that I had to turn in I went to my TA and I was like can I get coffee with you and she was like okay like what's going on and I was just like I just I don't I'm not I don't know how to write a college paper. Yeah. Like, I don't think I'm going to be good at it. I don't know. Like, and she's just kind of like, okay, well here, you know, it's just basically this outline and, you know, just give me what you got and we'll see, you know, the first grade isn't. And then after I turned it in, she's like, you're fine. She's like, guess (laughs) what? Most people can't write their way out of a paper bag. Like this was fine. Like you're okay. You like needed the validation. Right, right, right. Yeah. But I think, oh gosh, I'm talking so much tonight and I'm so sorry. I'm loving it. Um, but I think that that's something that, because like being in a, in a room full of people who might have like all this like knowledge about something or whatever. Yeah. Unless they're like horrible snobbish assholes, like you're going to be fine. Yeah. Like you're not taking a quiz. I think like, <laughs> maybe I think like when I was most insecure about it was when I first like in college, like started hanging out with like people from like the philosophy club mm-hmm. or like, because even in high school, like, my closest male friends toward the end were, like, the guys in the physics club who I met in the library while they were playing Dungeons and & Dragons. And I was basically, like, scouring Entertainment Weekly, like, cutting up photos under the table for my secret collage I was working on. I love it. Yeah, that was happening. Um, one of them that, who was my closest friend in, uh, in high school, um, his opening line to me was, like, have you ever listened to Porter's Head? And I was just okay. like, okay, this is good. And then um, the line that followed shortly after was, I made a flashlight into a bong. And I was like, who are you people and how do I get to know you better immediately? <laughs> like you have such useful life skills. Yeah, you have useful life skills. And no, I've never heard Porter's Head. And then like three songs later, I was just like, I need everything they've ever done immediately. <laughs> um, but like that was like a, a culture of like, I was just learning things and I was excited. Right. And there were things I didn't know and and. And I was happy to ask them more and not just right. pop culture or physics, how to build a fucking flashlight bong. But and then when I went to college, there was suddenly this culture of like, um, the intelligentsia, like, right. it was just like, like, how do you not know that? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. then it was like, oh, and then I was ashamed and I was like, okay, I won't, and, and, you know, amount to much. And, you know, while we're on the topic of insecurity, like when I tested into, a, um, it's a public program, but it was a theater program. Um, I've probably talked to one on the podcast before where I'd go and take a, like a, a bus a couple 
I think two days a week to like learn Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. And this was like, like starting in, I think seventh or eighth grade. And then until I graduated. And one of the things I worked on consistently was how to get rid of my accent. Oh, yeah. And that was such an, I didn't, I was never insecure about it until somebody pointed it out to me, like a theater teacher. Hmm. And then it was like, okay, you'll not, you need to do this or that. And I remember being like, why? And they said, you'll never get jobs in media or communications if you have a draw. And I really, really regret that like it's seventh grade and on, I started to lose the accent and I was so insecure about it. And now I'm like, well, now I'm also like older and more comfortable with who I am. Right. Kind of like that's a that's a real bummer that somebody ever told me. Especially now that Renee Zellweger has brought her fucking accent back full force. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I, but it sounds like the things that, especially surrounding kind of like schooling, you kind of had a healthy idea that like I'm not unintelligent. I just am like a gap in my yes. education or yeah. like I am not an ignorant person. I just have this accent that is perceived as such or yeah. whatever. Yeah. I didn't know my accent was bad until somebody told me it was. Yeah. And then I don't, you know, I don't have that accent anymore until like I have like three more glasses of this <laughs> or if somebody from fucking Lafayette walks in the room right now and right. Like, bets are off <laughs> or my mom calls like it's, it's over. But like, um, yeah, I, th- I think that's a really good way of putting it. Like I, it wasn't like I even realized there was some kind of deficit or that I had some kind of like that I was missing anything right. until suddenly I saw other people had it. And it was right. a point of like peak insecurity in college in my early twenties where I like yeah. I was just trying to prove that I was worthy to everyone right. because I didn't believe that I was. And so it was like shit, my shitty public school education showing and I can't even I shouldn't even be in the room with these smart right and they're mostly men like these yeah. men who were discussing fucking Heidegger which that should have been my first clue I was in the wrong room <laughs> you're like fuck off yeah yeah no I think that 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 was a big one for me too because I I always felt intelligent but I was very insecure about how not well read I was mm. and how like how little I kind of knew about the world, how in a bubble and in my Christian naivete and like going out into the world for the first time and meeting people who had had like all these life experiences already at, you know, like 18. Yeah. And had, you know, had like more worldly parents and had traveled more and stuff. I just felt like a yokel. Totally. And he's like, I don't know anything. Yeah. Oh yeah. It still comes out. Yeah. For sure. 100%. Like, spent the first several years of my life living in a fucking trailer. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I I know we've got, like, but there is still that piece of me. I don't know. There's a piece of me that used to hide that and would, like, lie about, yeah. like, where I was from and who I was. And because I, I didn't yet realize that it made me incredibly unique and even powerful. Yeah. Because with such a tiny graduating class and with a history that was kind of stacked against me in a lot of ways in terms of like, this is what people in this town do. Like I broke the mold right? and that's pretty fucking badass. And so I should be really proud of it and championing it in a way and saying there's nothing wrong by the way, with the way that the people that are from my town live at all. It just wasn't for me. Right. And I knew that early on instead of it being embraced by somebody who could look at me and say, Oh, well you're curious about these kind of things. Let me like, 
point you in this direction. It was just like, I will never fit in anywhere and I don't know why I'm always unhappy with everything and why mm-hmm. am I so unsatisfied and why don't I just want to marry a guy who works offshore? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, was I, I don't know if you felt this, but I definitely did where it was like the type of life that I wanted and, and the type of things that I thought looked appealing. The people, when I finally saw the people who were doing them, I was like, oh, you're way out of my league. Like, your yeah, league's totally. above me. Like, I... I didn't summer in France and I don't know the publisher of X magazine. And I, you know, like I haven't been to these fancy schools and I just speak English. Like, And then there's this awful thing that, I mean, you know, you and I have this great thing that I love. Like when I'm like, I haven't seen this movie. And you say with excitement, like what? Because you get excited because you're like, okay, we have to watch it. But there's a point in life where I haven't read that or right. I haven't seen that movie. It's not like what, like, oh my God, you strike me as someone who would really enjoy it. Let's watch it. Or, oh my gosh, I have a copy. You should read it. Or even like, just read it. It's great. You're going to love it. Right. Um, it's like, oh, oh, like you're not you have part of the club. Mm. Mm. What school did you go to? Public through? education much? Yeah. yeah. And it's <laughs> just, and I feel like that is a... Uh, yeah, that's a big source of insecurity. Yeah. You know, and it can be. Oh, totally. I mean, uh, I, I kind of, it's making me remember um, this friend that I had. Um, she was like my best friend for a long time. Anyway, it's it's sort of the, no, I've never had golden grams syndrome. Because I always used to do that with her. She would be like, no, I haven't yeah. done this or I haven't yeah, seen this or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, what? You haven't? What? And she had never eaten golden grams. And I was appalled by it. And I... <laughs> And it annoyed her so much because I would do this all the time just of being, like, so excited about this thing. And finally, I was like, wait, what? You haven't? She's like, no, Lily, I've never had fucking Golden Grams. And I was like, (laughs) oh, sorry. (laughs) But it's like the no, I've never had Golden Grams, and that's fucking fine. And that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing, circling back in a really wonky way to the whole, like, introverted thing and, like, the kind of, like, and the un, literally like unsung hero, like the person maybe who isn't doesn't have the most bravado in the room, right. like isn't leading the conversation. And so everyone who's not talking about maybe the things that that person's talking about is saying, I don't know anything about world history, but maybe you get that person going on Marx Brothers films and you'd be like, Jesus Christ, like I had no fucking idea. Right. You know what I mean? But again, it goes back to like, Who's dictating the conversation? Yeah, totally. And so the insecurity piece almost comes from like believing in your own worth and wherewithal. Yeah. And if nobody's ever telling you that you are worth it and you you are a very smart person. Right. Or, or that it's more interesting to talk about like concepts sometimes than it is like specific books or yeah. specific philosophers or whatever yes. it's just sort of like I just observe and feel and think these ways yeah it doesn't have to be like well you know who said that was it's like no yeah. you don't well it's sometimes like the I don't human know. encyclopedias and yeah. like god love them yeah god bless them <laughs> but I mean it's just kind of the it, it's right up there with the well actually yeah you know and it's like okay great like you have this that's the way your brain works like you're a very you know and I I know people who or even like slightly on the spectrum who are very like they have a very encyclopedic type of knowledge. And I, I, 
I really do enjoy being around those people yeah. in small doses. Right, right. Because I'm just like, oh, they're going to like fact check me and be like, actually it was this or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like da, 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 And not in a demeaning way. That's just how their mind works. Right. Like, facts, knowledge, science, etc. But I'm with you. I'm learning as I get older, like I'd much rather sit around and talk about like abstract concepts. Yeah. With someone. Or, I mean, even to learn from somebody who has a fascinating point of view, but, and, and the knowledge and the specifics to kind of back that up. But the people who come at it from this, like, well, I know this thing that you don't know. And Mm -hmm. that makes me superior in some way, instead of being like, oh, I have fun information to share. And if you brand new information, information. information. (laughs) and like, if you care to hear it, like read the room. No, not everybody wants to listen to you lecture on some bullshit. Oh my God. Don't lecture. Don't lecture. Don't lecture. Okay. And if you do, maybe you should be a teacher and save it for the fucking classroom. Thank you. And do not bring it to your local bar or party. Um, (laughs) but listen, if you think you might be a lecturer, here's a good way to gauge look around and just try to engage people genuinely in their faces. Also pause, Mm. allow them to maybe comment because they might have something to say. Yeah. Good points. Yeah. I mean, and then, and I think too, like (laughs) made by me while delivering a monologue. (laughs) (laughs) I I just monologued for the whole first half of this podcast. Not at all. I was asking you questions and you were answering. It's good. (laughs) But I think I, I do enjoy getting older and a little bit more self-secure to the point where I don't let those things keep me silent anymore. Like I have a much easier time joining conversations or um, interjecting even, Yeah, obviously, um, than I ever would have when I was younger. Yeah. Like I would never speak up in class even though I knew the answers and I knew them better than the other people who tried to muddle their way through them. God damn it, that's so braggy. Um, No, but I've seen it in you even since we've become like friends like over the last decade. Like I, like I remember like there you, and you are very introverted and you are very much like, and you and Jamie, but you share this. You both have this kind of like, observant, I don't want to say writerly because that sounds like, uh, but like, but you're both very observant people. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you're reading the room and like, you're not like commenting or jumping in. And Jamie's more of a, like, he doesn't need to. And then like, when he does, he does, but you have things to say. And that's, what's been interesting is like watching, like when we first like would start hanging out and you would say to me, and I always thought it was so funny. You would just be like, I know I'm talking a lot. And I'm like, (laughs) you know, I like the sound of your voice and I really like your opinions. And even like tonight, like you're like, I talked for half of the podcast and I'm like, you have really good things to say Thank you. and your voice is valuable. So thank you. It's true. I mean, learning that stuff is definitely hard and finding your voice and getting over the insecurity of like, yeah, will people want to listen to this? And will people like me? Like yeah. that's a huge one, just being liked and yeah, and not trying to be unlikable. I think about that a lot with the podcast. Where sometimes I'm just God, Jesus Christ, like how unlikable. No, we're both <laughs> was I this week? Unlikable. I know we it's just so we have a podcast. <laughs> I know. And we are inherently unlikable that's because true. we have that's a podcast. That's so true. That's so yeah. True. I thought about it a lot, and yeah, sometimes yeah. I'm awake at night and I'm like. 
I have a fucking podcast. And I sit across from like another white woman and we just talk about shit we're, we feel ashamed of. Yeah. And mostly it's us monologuing. It's just the most self-righteous. But you know what? We've got... We've gotten some feedback. Sorry, Fee. Sorry, the cat just fell off the table and then off my lap. Um, sorry, <laughs> I, I was trying to motion for Fee to get off of the coffee table and... No, no, they... Go over oh. there, guys. Sorry. Um, cat moments, cat, <laughs> cat moments. Um, They're anyway, not insecure about anything. All of this to say... Yes. Um, we have a podcast. Yeah. We are... Uh, a little self-indulgent. A little bit. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's okay. And if it brings somebody joy or they respond or they hit us back or they enjoy it, which pe- we've gotten good feedback. Yes. Um, also, I just like sitting across from you, drinking a glass of wine, and even if it goes out into the ether, sometimes it feels really good even tonight to be like, hey these things trigger me and yeah. I'm still working on this very, very like, you know, um, deeply rooted insecurity about my weight and I don't want to fight it forever, but I know that I might be. Right. And if anybody hears that and they also relate and they're like, God damn it, will I ever get over it? And right. it's like, I'm with you, honey. Like I'm with, like, you know, like just that's the point of the podcast. Totally. Right? To feel a little less alone. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, yeah, to, I mean, even just talking about some of this stuff, it's like, all right, that gives me something to think about. And, you know, it's not going to be groundbreaking, world-shaking change, but it helps. Yeah. And if it helps somebody, awesome. Yeah. And even if it just helps us talking into the ether and this microphone, <laughs> maybe that's okay, too. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. We went real, like, kind of existential there toward the end. <laughs> I know. Uh, see, I always think that we're going to, like, get to, like, a lot of different points. I was like, oh, we'll talk about, like, 20-plus insecurities that we have. And then it was just, you know, kind of three. It's like unpacking, but... going deep, like, really. Well, also, I mean, I feel like the format kind of almost encourages conversation. Yeah. We're sitting cross-legged at a coffee table. Exactly. With a glass of wine. Shh. After a shot of whiskey. But who's counting? Who's counting? Um, so, uh, yeah, you. if you're enjoying yourself, hi, welcome, thanks, so glad subscribe, to have you. Subscribe, maybe? Like, subscribe, write us Rate, an email. Rate, review. Yeah, do all the things. Yeah. Um, we are going to try to um, start enhancing our video uh, audio? No, what do they call it? The kids call it media? What do they call it today? When you're like on the YouTube. Is it still video? Yeah. Um, we're not going to vlog oh my per God. se. Not yet. Not yet. But um, uh, one of my goals for us in the coming weeks is that maybe we start doing some Instagram stories yeah. and we start maybe doing a couple YouTube videos. So you, you might uh, see us. You might see us. Yeah. You might literally see us. Ooh. So, <laughs> yeah. And um, I mean, if you want to currently see us on, you know, still images and things, you can find us on Instagram at ShamePod. Yes, you can look at us. Yeah. And <laughs> then just go to ShamePod.com for other various things. Yeah, for our website mm-hmm. that we haven't touched in a while. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> We're so glad you're with us. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll see you, see next, you next Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah.
Thanks for joining us. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.